Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're going to be discussing the season finales, plural or singular, I don't know, because there's two episodes, but we're talking about Rebels, of course, uh, season three. So stay tuned. First, a couple of announcements. Uh, I'll take them. Um, we have Rogue One. Actually, uh, the digital release came out this week, correct? Um, yeah. Uh, yesterday, actually, as you're listening to this. Cool. And I it's guess... brand it, new. Ch- check it out. <clears throat> Available digitally, Blu-ray, in about a week and a half. And I guess in this one, they actually have the alternate ending is revealed in this. Well, so... No, it's not on the Blu-ray, but oh, as Blu-ray. part of the the lead up to the Blu-ray, Anthony Bresnikin, a uh, friend of the show, posted a series of articles. Um, Very cool article on his site. Yeah, and so one of those includes uh, talking about the alternate ending, um, the, the one of the original ending that Rogue One could have had. Um, did you Did you read the uh, this article? I read a couple of them. I don't know if I got through all of them. Was this? I read a couple about how uh, in the early drafts of the script, some of the characters survived because they weren't sure if Disney was going to let them kill everyone. Mm. And uh, spoiler mm. alert: Disney was totally fine with it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's exactly like it, I mean. In in one version, the Death Star was going to emerge from hyperspace and lay waste to Scarif, and. Um, you know, they they didn't have time. There there was originally in, in the movie no last second broadcast. You know, to to the satellite tower. So, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so the heroes in this case, Jin Cassian, uh, ended up having to go on the beach and escape the planet. That's that way. And I'm 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 assuming that's where we see the scenes of Krennic walking through the water with his cape, uh, wet and stuff. Um, and, and so they, they you know they they run across the the ground. That's probably when we see all these like scenes of them running with the Death Star plans through um canary wharf all that good stuff um and then a rebel ship actually was going to fly down pick them up and um basically escape and it wasn't until later that they met up with the tantive four uh and transferred the plans then that's when darth vader would have attacked he would have shown up attacked and um they would have escaped just just Mm -hmm. in time with you know vader uh in hot pursuit so very, very different, and also an ending where Cassian and Jin survive. They would have been left fearing that the heroes were dead, mm-hmm. uh, but after like Vader and the Star Destroyers left, the um, the camera would have like lingered on this destroyed ship, and you would see an escape pod kind of uh, make its way dun, out of the breach just in time, kind of like uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Interesting, you know, with with Boba. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I mean I I'm a big fan of the way Rogue One ended. Uh, I think it was more it, fitting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. Oh, for yeah, sure. I can see that. They did a good job. Um, and there was a bunch of other interesting stuff too. Not just that was probably the biggest news, but there's uh oh man, it's been a crazy week for Star Wars news. Um, they talked about uh, how Scarif got its name. They talked about um, 
Actually, there was a not related to Anthony Breskin's piece, but I do recommend seeing everything that Anthony Breskin posted. Um, there was uh, Bob Iger said that <clears throat> the Han Solo movie will focus on Han. It'll span about six years. It'll focus on Han from ages 18 to 24. And uh, we'll learn how he meets Chewbacca, how he finds the Millennium Falcon. And interestingly, about how he finds his name. I now, find that interesting. That I, so, I find that interesting. Yeah, if, if, if we take it literally, I'm not a fan, but it very well could mean like how he finds his you know purpose or who he is or something mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's more figuratively than literally literally i hope sounds... they're not pulling a, a a sana solo though or saying like oh look he had a wife that we didn't know about before a new hope and she wasn't wait wasn't wife. when was um, that that was in the comics yeah i know it was a co- was that legends or is that in the new comics? no no that's the, new it's, comic it's new canon yeah, yeah new canon. canon that's what i thought okay yeah uh, and uh, well, who knows? Maybe they do that with this as well. But um, as long as we don't find out that uh, Han's real name is Thracken Sal Solo, we're good. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> to be fair, um, I really liked that trilogy. But uh... yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, should be interesting though. Should be very, very interesting. Um, but anyway, uh, lots, lots of Star Wars news. Definitely check out. Um, uh, EW for all of the the latest news. There's information about how Bodhi, Bodhi Rook's character evolved, and uh, you know how Lyra Urso was almost a Jedi, uh, and all sorts of things. So definitely go check that out. That would have been interesting if she was yeah. if she actually was a Jedi. It was when you watch Rogue One, you felt that was going to be the way it was going to go, but. It would have been interesting if if they kept that that in. I'll say one of the things that uh, I don't I think it was Anthony Bresnikan as well. One of his articles they talked about um, how in the er- one of the early drafts of the film, uh, Jin was actually a rebel sergeant, and so there's actually a right. couple of toys that got printed and were so far along in the production process they couldn't change the the title of it before they were released. So you can there's a couple of like Jin Urso rebel sergeant toys that you can still mm-hmm. find. Which I thought was super fascinating, kind of just that all the moving parts that go into these films and outside. Of the There's film so much that happens behind the scenes. <clears throat> yeah, so definitely check it out. And um, if you haven't already, p- pick up the the Rogue One um, digital HD release. Again, Blu-ray is coming on um, ha- April fourth, so it's a week and a half. William, away. not everyone mm-hmm. is going to do what you do and buy like how many copies of the Force Awakens did you buy? Ugh. Um can I, I can I play the fifth? Um <clears throat> Is it more here, let's look at it. Let's <laughs> is it more is than it, five? Yes. There uh, we go. I was that gonna say answer. is it more than two? <laughs> yeah. I, I may or may not have bought two copies of Rogue One already on digital. Oh my god. On but digital. I'm gonna return one. Because so in my defense, uh I think I made the same statement last time i I pre-ordered it and then i i didn't get any of the special features for some reason Mm -hmm. Uh, it just didn't unlock so i bought another copy of the digital release and then i'm gonna ask for a refund because it didn't give me the special features there's a bug so anyway um (laughs) it's really only one and i'm getting a refund so it's effectively just one purchase as long as long as you actually get the refund then i'll then i'll allow it but i have to check in for um, say next week episode, but. what did, did, yeah. did i say anything i didn't hear anything 
Um, about the <clears throat> two copies of the Blu-ray coming. Um, <sighs> there's hey, like special only... features. There's like the normal one. There's the the I think the Target one has a special feature that's exclusive. So anyway, moving on before uh, you guys kill me. Uh, the uh, William, William, we will never kill you. No. We'll just make fun of you for ages. It's just yep. gonna be and to be fair, we've already started that. So yes. You know. <laughs> Nothing. Yes. You might as well buy like six more copies of Rogue One because nothing you say at this point is going to change anything. Oh no! Just make sure if you do that, each one has a no, different special William, feature. William, William, the the aftermath review was like two weeks ago. Wow, it's hate on William. <sighs> anyway, wow. um, so but the 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 digital release. I keep wanting to say Blu-ray. The digital release is very good though. Uh, highly recommend checking out. There's a bunch of special features. Uh, they're all fantastic. Um. So, uh, I, you know, there, it, we, there's no one long, big special feature um, like uh, like we got in the, with the prequels. I loved those those featurettes. But uh, we get a bunch of, you know, five to nine minute special features on the various characters. And I have to say, um, uh, the, like, Thrawn, I'm oh, sorry, not Thrawn, uh, that's next, uh, Tarkin and... Um, Tark, both Tarkin and Leia looked much better. I thought at home, for for whatever reason. Um, uh, less high res screen. Actually, I don't know if it's less high res, but it's a different screen. I'm sure that helps. But at home, it looked really yeah, good. yeah, probably does. Even though I, I liked them in the theater as well, but it was it was good stuff. Uh, and with that, uh, definitely you can check it, pick it up, or wait till the Blu-ray release and then get your digital copy with that. Uh, but Tom, we have some more news. I think right. Yeah. Um... I'm just going to throw it in there. You don't seem that excited. (laughs) Well, no, I am excited. I mean, well, okay. The only con that I'm going to so far, I'm going to be at WonderCon next weekend. Nice. Yay. There, go go say hi to Tom. Yeah. No, wait a minute. I'm going to make it easy for you guys because there's only probably two t-shirts I will be wearing. One of them, we kind of talked about this in the pre-show about the uh, bet that was done between Chris Pratt and Chris Evans two years ago for the Seahawk and... um, uh, Patriot uh, Super Bowl game, and there is a special edition T-shirt called the the Rebel. No, the Scoundrel and the Patriot. Oh no, the Thief and the Patriot. Uh, that is one I normally wear at cons, uh, or it would be a Blue Angel anniversary T-shirt that's kind of beige. If you see me, yeah, come say hi. There, there's a two o'clock panel I'll be hi. going to. Just to, there's no Star Wars stuff. I've already looked on that Saturday. In fact, Tom, I was just only- going to say they should look for the oldest guy at the con, and that'll be you. <sighs> at I'm least so, it's not me i'm really sorry now. i feel i want you to know tom i feel really bad about that i was that's always okay. raised to be nice to my you elders really. and that's okay i tell you you're gonna have to stay off my lawn uh, watch it young man no i i will be there next saturday uh, if you see me come by and say hi you know i i go every year to WonderCon. i find it much much more enjoyable than comic-con and those who have been to Comic-Con, hopefully you'll understand why. Um, but the only thing about WonderCon is there's going to be uh, a bunch of Star Wars writers there. Um, uh, the name escapes me offhand. The girl who wrote Ahsoka is going to be there. Um, and a couple of the other um, writers are going to be doing different panels throughout the weekend. So, But an actual Star Wars panel um, is not going to be at WonderCon that I have seen. Um, no. So, no, but that... If you want your Star Wars 
panels. Ooh, just get ready. Yeah, and that's that's what I was kind of leading into because um, I think I'm going to let William take this one because you're going to be the lucky guy that's going to be there. So yeah, the the uh, the first uh, it, it, first release of the celebration panel is out. I guess again, this is you know there's still lots of panels TBD, but uh, at celebration where there's a whole long list. Some of the highlights include the 40th anniversary panel, which was previously announced. The Last Jedi panel, also previously announced, kind of important. A yeah season four sneak peek for Star Wars Rebels. Really looking forward to that one. Lucky devils who get to see it. Yep. That's, got, that's got to be a trailer, right? Just at least a trailer. I don't think we're gonna have. Uh, I don't think we're gonna have. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, the the premiere here. I think it's way too early to see it a full episode, unlike the it, past few celebrations. Storyboard panels, maybe, possibly. Uh, yeah, they almost always do some storyboards from like unused yeah. episodes and things like yeah. that. Yeah, so I could see that, but not 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 in a full episode. But we'll definitely get a, a you know a sneak peek. I think. Um. And then uh, there's going to be another panel on uh, called Dave Filoni Animated Origins and Unexpected Fates. This one's interesting. They're going to discuss some of the most cherished characters that came out of Lucasfilm Animation, reveal some untold origins of heroes and rogues, and uh, show rare clips and artwork. And they'll trace surprising fates in this generation of Star Wars characters. So that should that be that sounds fun fascinating. Yeah. yeah, that's going to be that's going to be fun. I wish I could be able yeah. to see it. Yep, and there's gonna be you know a roundtable with some Lucasfilm publishers, Del Rey, all Marvel, all the all the usual panels as well, and I'm sure lots more to come. So if you're gonna uh, be at Celebration, and why aren't you? Uh, definitely show up. And- you say this to the two people on the yeah. other two people on the podcast who are not gonna be at Celebration this time around. Yes, seems a little. But cool. I know for a fact that your fiance told you to go. Just calling you out right oh. here. That's that's a low blow. <laughs> that's low william i thought hey william i thought we had an agreement we both make fun of tom and we leave each other alone <laughs> hey i just needed to uh, you know although uh, i did make fun of you for buying i probably earned it you know yeah. i made fun of you for oh. your blu-ray thing <laughs> damn it okay <laughs> <laughs> no no it's okay it's a, you guys okay. are having very busy years i don't i don't blame you. yes Yes, it's going to be a it's very busy, busy year for me. And sadly, I can't hop on a plane to go to Florida. I, I wish know. I could. Well, we're going to miss you guys. That I, I'm, I'm hoping, and this is my hope upon hope, really big hope, since they've announced that 2019 is going to be the next celebration, I am really hoping it's going to be here in Anaheim again. I I just... Uh, I, I think it will be. Yeah. I, 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 get th- I get this feeling that if things line up correctly, because... A lot of people have been posting uh, photos of Star Wars land in Florida and also here in California. And the California one, when you look at these photos, and even I gone down there a couple of times, it's going up so quick that I think if there's going to be an opening in 2019 and a celebration has been announced for 2019, I can see where it's going to go first. What's the uh, announcement for that? It's just 2019. They're skipping 2018. I, no, no, sorry for Star Wars Land. Star oh. Wars Land is 2019. Both of them I, supposedly. So if it's at if it is in Anaheim, I guarantee you that even if the park isn't open, they'll do like a, you know, a first walkthrough or something like that. Special ticket. Yeah. They'll do like yeah. a special ticket. They did like that they're doing in Celebration in 2000. William, when was that? Oh man, when well, we yeah, did the last did tour at Endor. That was fun. Steven, remember, we were actually the very we, last two. We, on, we were on the last, last ride to Endor. Lucky. 
Well, the last last ride, the last spiritual ride, because yes. they kept it open for another week. Somewhere yeah, I actually have. Technically. technically. It's a tw- it, yeah. Somewhere I actually have video of that entire ride. Uh, you gotta I, find that. That was. I honestly don't know where it is anymore. Because I remember they said like they they said no 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 uh, no recording, and then because it was the very the last, last ride, ride of the night of the last night of the last tour of Endor. And I, all I remember from that is uh, the staff jumped on board with us because they're oh, like, yeah. yeah, why not? That's cool. It was, and you and couldn't then, hear it, a single thing because everyone was saying the entire the dialogue for the entire thing because <laughs> there was only one version of it. That's too cool. It, oh man, I forgot. It was about a really this. special special thing. Man, but they're also doing uh, a next- hard ticket item for this celebration as well. So for that's at least 20- for for. For this one, 2017. That. Yeah, they they're doing? doing a special night. I think it's like Friday, it's Saturday night or Friday night, some kind of special thing at Hollywood Studios where there's fireworks and things. Yeah, yeah. They're going to open up the park, have a bunch of events. Um, it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, Lucky. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we need to continue with this, though, because you're Whoa. making it worse. Yeah. We're also, you know, what, 20 minutes into an episode about the season finale of Rebels, and we haven't even talked about the season finale because of Rebels Because we just yet. love to let our have our listeners just wait as long as possible. <sighs> no, they're waiting as long as possible to see what we're going to do with the Wampers at the end of this, because Steven mic dropped last week. I know. I just want you to know I was really, really proud of that. <laughs> yeah. It was, that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, but so now, I'm, the I'm, problem is now I have nowhere to go now, but... I know. And we will be highly disappointed if you do not live up True. to to that. So, but well, we ha- we have to. Can. We might as well we try. Ha- but we have to get to that first with the episode rundown. So, William, why don't we get into the episode rundown and let's get into the show? Yeah. So, uh, any idea what episode we're we're talking about, guys? I, oh I, God, I, I don't even know. It's, I, it's the is there such there, it's the zero episode? Th- there's something about an hour. Sense. I mean, it, it, it's something about how can no, you have Tom, a zero? There's two hour? episodes. It's an hour. Yeah, but how can you have a zero hour if it's two episodes? Yeah. Okay, enough, enough yeah. goof around. It's Please. season three, episodes <laughs> 21 and 22. Jeez. A uh, zero hour. It was written by Steve. The first episode was written by Stephen Melching, and the second was written by Henry Gilroy and Matt McNevitz. And it was directed by Justin Ridge. Uh, in final preparations for their attack on Lothal, Phoenix Squadron's plans are disrupted when Grand Admiral Thrawn discovers their location so this is the episode we've been waiting for the culmination of thrawn's plans okay this was the episode we were waiting for but did we expect to see grand admiral thrawn come off of that transport flanked by none other than death troopers oh that was was really cool actually so william so william (laughs) and i watched the episode together and we were like saying they're watching the episode starts and we look we kind of look at you like have we seen Death Troopers in Rebels before? I, I don't like. We're like we kind of think like, no, I think this is the first time. Actually. No, this is, no, really this cool. is definitely the first time. Yeah. And they looked so cool. Yeah, I think it's because the 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 green on their helmet was more prominent, the dark yeah. green. Um, and uh, I was watching well, Rogue they, One again last night when I, you know they actually you know, did stuff which helps too. Yeah, as as we we're recording this, I watched Rogue One last night when I went live at you know nine p.m. And um, again, because I had to get those those two digital copies. Um, no one surprised. Ducks the uh, the projectile that Stephen threw at him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was watching the episode, and it did not was not as uh, pr- 
prominently green um, on their helmet. So I think that's why I I thought that these guys were so cool. Either way, I loved, loved, loved the, the look of the mm. Death Troopers in here. And it, it's interesting. We actually didn't hear them talk at all in, like, in Rogue One. And by talk, I mean, like, you know. Um, <laughs> that's my great impression. Yep. Yeah, um, that was a great impression. Yeah, Better than your Jar Jar. Oh, <laughs> that hurts. That well, really hurts. Okay, but, but, but uh, you have to talk but, about the, the the you know the Lothal and Tide Defender and all the other stuff. Yeah, so. I know, and that's that's the uh, that's the price I have to pay for constantly being insulted by oh, you guys. Geez. So, uh, Thrawn meets with the governor and the admiral God. Uh, about <sighs> some urgent news. Uh, they have a traitor in their midst, as they've known. Um, but Thrawn, of course, remember at the end of, um, uh, at the end of Through Imperial Eyes, Thrawn said, well, he, he, he knows that there's still a traitor. So this episode kind of picks up that thread and, uh, Tarkin actually calls Grand Moff Tarkin and, uh, and tells him that the rebels are about to attack the Tide Defender factory on Lothal and that General Dodonna's fleet, go General Dodonna, who we saw recently in, mm-hmm. uh, in at the end of um, uh, Secret Cargo, uh, his fleet is en route to reinforce the Rebel Cell at their secret base, and Thrawn wants to use this opportunity to wipe them out once and for all. But throughout this whole conversation, a certain someone is over is overhearing uh, with a mouse droid. In fact, now that's what I liked about this because you actually was. A mouse droid was actually given purpose instead of just going around and just basically being a mouse droid, right? And and Chopper kicking it in the last episode, um, but you actually had a purpose for a mouse droid, and I loved how they did that. Very nice touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was really cool to, to see, and uh, even how the mouse droid was like running into the vents, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> kind of like a real mouse. <laughs> it was great. Tower. Well, right. you'd rather have the mouse droid this time instead of Ezra, because remember, the first season of Ezra, uh, first season of Rebels, he was always in the vents. Yeah. Oh, yep. True. Well, it's true. I guess the vents return. Yeah. Yep. Do you um, do you think Callus? Do you think well, Do you think Thrawn knew that Callus would would overhear? Yes. Oh yeah, because I I I hands down yes, done. Yeah, he probably did. He probably had. At this point, you have to expect that. Thrawn has Callus under some pretty close surveillance. So totally reasonable, I think, to assume that he was keeping an eye, knew everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. It's Thrawn. Thrawn. Thrawn in the last episode that we saw Thrawn called it out that the traitor was Callus. So, yep. and wh- what I did like about this, after Callus heard the information, I like, because I liken it as it kind of ended where it began because Callus gets on the speeder bike and goes to the, the communication tower where we first basically kind of met Ezra other than the street rat part, but in his tower to send the information to the rebels. So for me, it was like, it was a good tie in to basically, you know what you started here on Lothal and this is where it's going to end on Lothal in that tower. Yep. Yep, it was uh, it was nice and, and and fitting. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was nice to you know it was good to see it see it back really. Well, with all the stuff inside too. I mean, all that stuff with the helmets 
and yeah. basically looking like Ezra, even though dusty, but Ezra never left. Kind of, sort of. Yep. No, it, it, I, I love that Callus is, is now using this uh, as his, his base of operations, kind of taking over from Ezra, who used it, um, you know, way back in, in season one. So that, that was that was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially the moment where, you know, he, he, he hears the news, right, that uh that the the empire is is, is gonna attack lothal and quickly runs to the the comm station to to call chopper base and all of a sudden his transmission is jammed before he you know right as he's getting out the first few words all he says is thrawn knows and then it's it's cut off and you know, he's trying to fix the jamming and then he looks and all of a sudden you see the shadow appear in the doorway and it's thrawn dun dun the confrontation we've been waiting a long time for Callus uh, Thrawn finally knows that Callus is the traitor and it was so brilliantly done. It just, you just got mm-hmm. chills when you see it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Really, really good stuff. I'm, you know, I, I still find Thrawn's uh, hand-to-hand combat skill a little bit questionable, but watching really? the two of them kind of, well, I just, it, it doesn't feel like a Thrawn thing to me. Thrawn but, in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah, but watching but, them go at it was pretty impressive. Well, I, I, I kind of see why, in this case, they had him fight the droids earlier, because if you're having a well, hard time, right? And, and that's what I was gonna. That's what I was trying to get to. Because if you're having a hard time of seeing him this way, because I just remember him from the books, where he's more of the tactician and not so much the fighter. But it seemed like in this case they had to make him a fighter. So the best way to do it is show him that he can fight use the droids to set this up at this point because they couldn't do any kind of lightsaber battle here because it was all hand to hand or any kind of sword battle or any, or even um, they could have done blaster fire, but you know, it made sense to do hand to hand at this point. Yep. Yeah. And, and as we know, he's, you know, trained against uh, his, his, his droids for some time. So he's, he's used to it. He, he's, he's ready for this, uh, uh, for the for this for this fight, so we we know Thrawn's yeah. up to it, right? He but, he trains pretty hard. What I did appreciate is even then, Thrawn had his Death Troopers waiting just outside the door in case yeah. something went wrong. Oh, he doesn't mess around. Nope. Well, it's the type of touch that Thrawn does. Even when he is convinced of victory, he's always got that extra that extra uh, I don't know whatever up his sleeve. He's always that one step ahead. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep, and I, I like the the little things like you know Callus throwing a stormtrooper helmet at Thrawn, and uh, he does yep. manage to destroy the jammer so that they can send a, a signal out. Um, the most interesting thing, and in, okay, this this might sound kind of weird. I know I know Callus is is Fulcrum, so clearly he's like a huge rebel sympathizer, mm-hmm. uh, and and really a major part of the rebellion. But he's eventually captured by Thrawn, and as the 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 Death Troopers are holding him. Uh, Thrawn says, "You have the heart of a rebel," and Callus will take that as a compliment. Great line. I, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I still don't quite feel. F- I feel still don't quite feel like Callus is a rebel. I feel like he's an imperial who's helping the rebels. I don't know. Maybe this, no. Yeah, but this crazy. he's pretty clearly a rebel at this point. Okay, but but even even if he's an imperial helping the helping the rebels, he's still a rebel. Oh, I, he, I he, yeah, he's. I he, know. He, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I just, I guess, him opening, openly acknowledging that he's a rebel is, 
is a huge step for him. Well, it is, but also maybe it's because of the, um, because of the way Callus has played. He's almost like, yes, he's a rebel, but you don't see mannerisms change in him. You still see him as an imperial because you've seen him as an imperial all this time. There was no light switch to see that he actually became a rebel. Kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, they did a good job showing his progression over time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there was was no full-on, I would say, light switch to where it was like, boom, he's an actual rebel now. Although how everything played out, yes, he was a rebel. Well, see, the way I read it is it's it the fact that it's the heart of a rebel is Thrawn saying you're almost like you're too sentimental. You care too much to be a true imperial. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, I can was see that, yeah. And especially from Thrawn, who we know is you know a very logical person. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I like, of course, Thrawn sees that as a negative, and of course, Callus and any rebel would see that as a positive. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't think about that from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, we also get a a new callus, uh, injured callus model in this episode. <laughs> yeah. a, a new callus that's injured. Uh, which I I I loved his, the look of him. He's got you know the bruised eye. The I love the piece bruises. of hair. Yes, yeah, but that's the one yes. like that one like strand of it's not like a strand. It's like a clump of hair that like hangs down in front of his face and like throughout the entire episode is just like you know flopping all over whenever he talks and moves his head it's great it's hilarious well it's it's one of the things in which we we even mentioned when it came to clone wars the animation on the episodes got better as it went along yeah and it's the same thing here because if this was probably first season with a clump of hair like that it probably wouldn't have moved that much oh so I, they would not have done it in the first season. yeah they probably wouldn't have i i just want to know like what percentage of the budget for this episode went into the floppy hair you don't know, <laughs> trust me. Depends on how many strands are in that hair. <laughs> That's the thing. Are you saying that uh, Callus may or may not be stranded? Oh, geez. Oh, the I was going more Empire? for the computer thing, because if you ever saw the thing where they discussed how uh, Sully from Monsters, Inc. had all the hair on it, because I watch a lot of that computer stuff. But anyway, that's getting a little over everybody's head. But <laughs> the interesting thing about this, which I found fascinating, was Thrawn used the tra- trajectory of Donna's fleet and plots it against the trajectory of Fulcrum's message and kind of came up with, with an intercept Whoa. point of where the rebel base was. Even bigger. This is the first time we've had Dodonna and rebels, right? Yes. Yes. Like that's... And... Not only Dodonna, but the uh, what I'm tra- the Masasi group, the Masasi, as I believe it's referred yeah, to. Yes, the Masasi which group. I love yes. the name. Um, really cool. It does a great job of showing where the rebels are at this point in time. Like mm-hmm. they are known by their small little factions, not by anything. Uh, but larger. you you can all you can say the same thing about the uh, Mandalorians because they're all known by their factions as well. Well, sure. But yeah. they've always been known by their factions. Well, that's okay. Yeah, it, it's interesting though because I, I don't, for some reason I'd already I always assumed that um, that they were that the rebel base was on uh, Dantooine and then they moved it to Yavin Four, but that's not actually correct as we we find out in this episode and you know at the end of Secret Cargo they 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 arrive on Dantooine for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, they they actually concurrently have bases on Yavin Four 
and um, Dantooine and you know at- at- Adalon and all these other planets, which makes sense because there's different cells and that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, well, I just it also, completely changes the way we originally thought about this. It, yeah, it also it fits nicely into Rogue One and even I'd say uh, episodes four and five, where really what we see in episode four is just the Masasi group as far right. as who takes down the Death Star. Because, and we, you know, Rogue One kind of sets this up because obviously none of the other capital ships are there. Even the ones that had previously been established, like some of the transports or the Nebulon B frigates. Um, but this is an even clearer, I think, distinction that the Rebel, at the time of episode four, the Rebels even, I'm not, I'm trying, now I'm trying to think back. Do they call it the Rebel Alliance in episode four? Or do they just call them Rebels? Yeah. You are part they do call of the Rebel, Rebel Alliance. Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. Okay. So the Rebels have... They've obviously come together uh, probably after Scarif, uh, but that's about it at this point, I think. Yeah. And then Scarif's still, you know, a little ways away, so. Mm-hmm. A long ways away. Yeah. About, you know, two years or so, a year and a half, so. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to me. Um, it's also interesting that Governor Price even knows of General Dodonna, because I, I would have assumed that they would kind of be operating um, you know, undercover as much as possible. Although... You know they do know about Hera as well, and and you know Ezra and and everyone they else. They know so. about Phoenix Squadron. Commander Sato, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. yeah. So I guess it, I guess it makes sense. It's not like they haven't. It's not like they've been hiding the entire time. They are running military ops, but, but I think, just not the scale. I think Thrawn even said that that Rebel. I mean, his spies. So if he's got spies in the Alliance as well, then he's got to know all these groups. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's true, and you know th- this is. We also find out. I think this is a fairly major thing. This is uh, the attack on Lothal, or the planned attack on Lothal, is the first time Rebel cells have ever launched a coordinated attack. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I oh, a coordinated attack. I guess yes, yeah. that makes sense. Yes, I was thinking yeah, like it, I didn't know how much I bought this line, but yeah, coordinated attack. I I will accept. coordinated. I mean, I, I'm assuming you know this is more than one cell. Right. right. Yes. Instead of like a, a one cell, they would consider almost like guerrilla tactics because it's just a one cell that would hit and run. In this case, you've got all the cells coming together and they're actually doing, you know, flanking maneuvers, which toward the end you do see with the space battle, you know, they're trying, they're trying to escape. So that does make more for a coordinated effort between the cells instead of just, you know, a guerrilla tactic hit and run. Yeah. Yep. True. Exactly. So it's very, very interesting stuff. I have to ask, though, what did you think of the way in which Thrawn finds the location of the rebel base? So the truth is, so this is, you know, we talked about this a couple of episodes ago where we felt like Thrawn should have realized that, hey, out of like the hundred names, all of a sudden one of the ones is gone. Um, so I felt like we sh- Thrawn should already have known. Mm-hmm. However, if I... Assume for a moment that Thrawn doesn't know, then I'm kind of okay with this. If does that okay. make sense? Well, yeah. Uh, <sighs> I mean, so my, my one complaint, and this is my really my only complaint with the episode. Well, for the most part, the others are like really really minor things. Um, is that he Thrawn basically figured out the location of the base by following the path that General Dodonna's fleet took, and mm. the path that Callus trans the, the path of the signal that Callus transmitted. Yep. Um, one. Why didn't Dodonna take multiple jumps 
Also, how did he know the Dodonna's origin point if he came from Yavin 4? So unless Yavin 4, uh, unless Dodonna took multiple jumps, leaving Yavin 4, Thrawn tracked him from one of those jumps to the destination. It may, yeah, I guess that's true. That's kind of weird. I don't have it. I don't have a good answer to this. And then, and then the the same thing with Callus's transmission. It seems super dangerous to be sending secret transmissions directly to the rebel base, and mm-hmm. the transmissions are so trackable like that. You'd think they would be a bit harder to 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 follow. Well, I'm assuming well, they normally would be, and Thrawn knew where Callus was sending messages from. Fair enough. And and, and you could give Callus a benefit of a doubt. Since it was important information, he risked it to send a direct message. So you could think of it that That's way. True. Yeah. 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 It could. Yeah. It could have just been the easiest way to do it. So I mean, again, not not a not a huge deal, but and, and I did like the touch, although I don't. It wasn't exactly clear how he did it, but I liked how he used once he figured out the the system. He used the uh local art to figure out exactly where Atalan was located, even though Adalon was located, even though it wasn't mm-hmm. on any of the maps. So and I'm not percent clear. Why wasn't it on the maps? Uh because Callus had removed it. Well no 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 chopper no, he it. chopper well sorry chopper. So what bothers me is yeah. I thought he removed it from Thrawn's list. I don't like I not sure I buy that it got removed from every map the Empire maintains. It's also possible, so Bendu says later, he makes a comment about how hard the planet is to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe Chopper had... No, because... Okay, hold on. I'm trying to remember now. When they found Chopper base, wasn't it in the episode where Chopper met AP5, right? And didn't AP5 get help give Chopper the coordinates and oh. Chopper randomly jumps and lands at Adelon? That um, pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little I, fuzzy on it because it's been a, a while. But it's been that a while. Vaguely familiar. I remember the guy on the bridge with the mustache that was being very brutal to AP5. I remember that part. Yeah. Anyway, I I'll agree with you, Um. I think this was probably the weakest part of the episode. Yeah. Was again suspension of disbelief. It, leave it at that. Done. Yeah. <laughs> um, for what. Thankfully, you know, when we talked about a lot about how this this entire episode is can they pay off Thrawn and mm-hmm. everything they've done with him this season. Uh this I felt like was a poor way to pay off Thrawn, but thankfully there was other stuff that came up later that was uh sufficed in that respect. So I was okay with it. Yeah. Agreed. So you're 50-50? No. Uh no, I'm just Okay. No, that's fine. Like, this I I thought this was a weak part of the episode, but other parts of the episode, which we'll talk about, I thought okay. were good. Yeah. Okay. So one of the most surprising things in this episode um, was the scene right at near the beginning between Ezra and um, and 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 Kanan. Right. Kanan and Ezra are walking along, and all of a sudden, Kanan starts talking about, you know. Ezra comments about uh, on how he can't believe how much they've accomplished, and and Kanan starts saying, you know, I, I've I've taught you everything I know. You're mm-hmm. so great, you know. Like you'll do fine without me. Yeah. Do I look like I'm dead yet? It's it's basically the you know the Obi Wan and Anakin's final scene in Revenge of the Sith, right? Or literally any other movie ever made where mm-hmm. the characters die, 
All right, it's it's the st- it's the the stereotypical last conversation before one of the characters dies. And it it's not just that Kanan and Ezra have it. I felt like Kanan and Hera had a moment. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so like, Steven and well, I are watching and, and, it and like we look at each other as Kanan and and Ezra are talking, we're like Kanan's dead. Even well, though even though he's in the season 4 announcement. He's listed in the season 4 announcement. We still mm-hmm. thought he was going to die. They can always do a bait and switch. I mean, they even did the same thing when you had Zeb and Rex when they're getting ready to go to battle. And I think it was to the extent of, do you ever think you were going to, you know, go? Uh, I think it was Zeb like, Rex, do you regret uh, coming out of retirement or whatever and doing this? And I think Rex has come back to to paraphrase it. You know, he wouldn't have wanted it any other way. Yeah. So it was just, I mean, I guess they were trying to kind of wrap up the season in many ways and show how far Ezra's come, but... It, Man, it sounded like Ezra's. It sounded like Kanan's final, final moments well, to me. It, again, for me, it almost sounded like the final moments for Rex as well. When that conversation, you knew the ghost was going to survive, but I felt that when it came to Rex as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe it was intentional. Maybe they were trying to fake everyone out. I don't know. Well, it must have been because they lived. Well, well it. I have a feeling it might be set up for the next season. That yeah. this will be uh not that Canon will die next season, but I think we're gonna see a different Ezra next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I actually you you are you are completely right. Um you know, the, this season was really all about uh you know, how Ezra is um is growing and changing. And I think we talked about at the end of the last episode uh, season four is going to be kind of the fallout of, of everything that's happened with Ezra. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that. But uh, yeah, so that was a, a bit of a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one. <laughs> Some little uh, Chancellor Valorum quotes in there for you. Um, Very nice. <laughs> uh, fascinating. Uh, yeah, and we also we also got some nice uh, Star Wars music here as in, in in the scene as well. Before we move on, I can't forget how how great of a job Kanan, uh, Kanan, uh, Kevin Kiner, can't Kanan Kiner? That's that's his name, right? Um, how great of a job he did in this episode too. Uh, it really did feel like you know a a, a Star Wars film. This the, I like the thing I liked about this episode is it gave things time to breathe. They did not. Mm-hmm. They could have done this in twenty two minutes. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't well because the whole second half half of the episode, I, there is no way they could condense that down into this episode and make it twenty two minutes. There is too not. much going on. Yeah, yeah, just way too much. Especially the the what I liked the um, the camarade no not the camaraderie the interaction between Bindu and Kanan later I thought was very fascinating. But yeah, we'll get that to that one, later. That one was well, let's just talk about it right now. That one okay, was we'll um very surprising. So, you know, instead of going with Ezra, Kanan goes off to seek help from Bendu, mm-hmm. aka the one in the middle. Right. And uh <laughs> He says that a few times during the episode. Yeah. Uh, just a couple. Well, and and for me it proved it because and since we've jumped that far ahead, I'm gonna jump a little bit further. When they were all escaping. Bendu kind of did take his revenge on Kane and Jairus because it was even a comment he made to Hera, just like, I think I made somebody mad. 
because the ship was getting blasted by lightning. And at the same time, Thrawn and the Death Trooper was getting blasted as well. So both sides were being attacked. One was being attacked a little bit, you know, harder than the mm-hmm. other. But mm-hmm. both sides were still getting attacked. Yeah. No, exactly. He 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 attacks them in equal numbers. And um, he's... I really hope we, we find out <clears throat> more about this this guy in the next uh, season because he's still a complete mystery to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kanan goes out I, to seek the help of Bendu when Thrawn is attacking. Steven? I, was gonna, I would not be uh, so sure we're going to see more of the Bendu. I have a feeling he's going to be a lot like uh, Mortis is and they're just going to kind of leave him as a a mystery for us. Well, put it this way. I see your point, Stephen, because they can't return to this base. This base is gone. It, it, you know, at this point, there's either going to be an Imperial probe droid that's going to stay in that orbit. And if anybody were to show up, the Imperial is going to pounce on it. So they sure. at this point, yeah, they at this point have to go into hiding. And then we have no idea what happened to Bindu at the end of the episode. Because he just disappears. Yeah. But we've got to go. We, we jumped well, way too so far. Ahead. We've got to. No, I mean it's 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 interesting though you, that you bring it up, right? Um, he, so, Thrawn, he, he kind of becomes this cloud creature, right? In a in a very, it's kind of oh. very very weird, right? He got he yeah he he goes out. Cannon annoys him. Uh, Cannon pushed him a little bit too far. Uh, because well, I think Cannon did it on purpose. Oh yeah, he was I, trying I, yeah. to get him yeah, he was annoyed really enough good. that he would he would fight back, right? And and, right. and and against the Empire. But instead he just kept he fought back kept against Kanan. He kept to his yeah. uh his his tagline and, and stayed the one in the middle, equally attacking both. Right. Although um, although I think I think to a certain extent he he kinda he kinda led the punches a little bit when it came to Kanan. Because he kind of landed the punches when it came the other way, but when it came to Cannon, he sure. kind of he kind of pulled the punches a little bit. He still made Cannon pay for. It. Sure, fair enough. Yeah, but you know, Bendu, much like Biff getting called chicken in Back to the Future, uh, cannot stand being called a coward and becomes enraged when when Cannon calls him that and you know tries to tell that some things are worth fighting for, and he turns into a giant yellow-eyed storm. And I'm just like, what the heck course. is going on? Like, what the heck? <laughs> I, I really I really hate to say this, but now that you bring it up, it brought back a memory of the Green Lantern movie in which Parallax oh. was this big storm. I was going to go back a little bit farther. I was kind of picturing, uh, a, I was going to say Mufasa, but a Simba. Oh, yeah, know. Lion King. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just thought of that one, too. But... Mufasa didn't throw lightning and get mad at his son. He only had a bad rainstorm. Parallax was actually destroying things, and it was a combination of the two. There you go. Yeah. But it, it was it was interesting. Like you know, the storm kind of disappears for a while, but then you know, at near the end of the episode, Bendu comes back and starts, as you said, using his lightning to attack everyone, and you know, everyone else escapes, but but Thrawn you know, deciding he wants to take out the giant storm instead of, um, you know, running and hiding. He, uh, he, he just starts, uh, shooting back. I'm curious. Why, why do you think Bendu, like, why doesn't Bendu care about which side he, he harms? 
because he's he was, the one he was in the equally well. There's got to be a better reason for that, right? Um, I would like to believe there is. I'm not convinced that is the case, though. I. I maybe Bendu's protecting something on the planet, but I think he takes his uh, his role quite seriously. Hmm. Yeah, but what could he be protecting? That's the thing. And then if that's the case, if he's protecting something, then at some point we are going to have to go back to figure out what it is. Yeah, but on the other hand, we've had things like that with Mortis too, and we've never really gone back to Mortis either. Ah, uh, that's a good point. That's a very good point. All right. My po- I I don't know that we'll ever get a satisfying answer to that. And I in some ways I'm not sure I want to because that the whole kind of point of the Bendu is that he's very mysterious and explaining too much I feel is not always a good thing. Fair and enough. and his and, his, are, and his ending was the most mysterious. Right. Right. Like, because uh, if his ending his ending he actually was taunting Thrawn and Thrawn Thrawn basically put one between his eyes. But when you take the shot over Thrawn's shoulder, Bindu was gone. He basically yeah. became one in the Force, and he became an ethereal voice. Ah, uh, I don't to think taunt. he became one with the Force. I think well, he just disappeared okay. and like teleport because like he's still around. You still hear his voice, and but, but he but the shot the is the shot is it, in the ground, not right. in him. Okay, and this then, is Rebels. They're not going to have that shot go through him. Well, I, I understand. I know I understand that. Basically, one with the forest could have been, you know, he he basically became the quote unquote forest ghost because you still Thrawn was still so, able to hear him. So let me I'm take not this, saying that on. he quote unquote died. William, go ahead. Question for you. Yeah, and I don't know that there is a good answer to this. Um, when Obi Wan in Episode Four becomes one with the Force, does his hood get chopped off? Despite the fact that Vader's lightsaber would almost certainly have gone through it. I mean... He, wait a minute. No. But he didn't go through the neck. He went through the midsection. Well, wherever it is. I don't remember that lightsa- that uh, cloak being cut in two. No, I think you're right. So I'm just... I, I can't suspect... fell to the ground! <laughs> <laughs> I'm and just... and Vader, Vader never picked it up. He just kicked it. He just stomped on it. You know, he was just making little footprints on it. You never got to see a pickup sliced in half. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying. I okay. Wait, Tom, weren't you? Weren't we arguing on the same side? You know what? I think we were. I'm sorry. I thought. Okay. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> sorry. No, I. So it's I late. honestly, I don't know. I have no good answers to these questions. <laughs> As usual. Why are you even on the podcast, Stephen? I don't know. You We're know why talking, he's on well, the po- I'm on because there's a big ship battle coming later, and that there you is go. my specialty. That's so. what I was going to say. I was gonna, I was going to defend him on that respect, but I defend You're all of us. You're defending Steven now? What the heck? I look at. I'm def- hey. The I was defending going after everybody. You, no, you know what? Here, def- you know what? I it defend is? everybody on Tom, the show. Tom, Tom is the Bendu. He's the one in the middle. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I defend everybody on this show. I call light. Period. Okay. Um, but uh, you know we <laughs> yeah. But but we, so, we so got Bendu, so far Bendu ahead made, of ourselves. Oh, it doesn't matter. Ben, ben, ben okay. made very okay, two, that's fine. Uh, very two two very interesting comments though. One, he tells Thrawn his final words to Thrawn are that there is something um, something that he cannot see. He sees his defeat, Thrawn's defeat, like many arms surrounding him in a cold embrace. Loved that. What do you Just think that means? Loved it. Well, 
He's not going to get stabbed in the back. Season four, we're getting Nogri. I can hope. That would be amazing. That would be but... interesting. Never thought of it Unlikely, that way. But I can hope. Okay, now wait a minute. Why? Okay, just just to absolutely throw it out there. Why do you think unlikely? Uh, I just a big. I should say maybe it's possible. I just if they were going to introduce the Nogri, I think they would have with Thrawn. I don't know. I don't have a good answer to anything. I don't know why I'm here. So, <laughs> well, 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 first, first off, here, first off, Tom, we'll find Tom, out at celebration. You'll appreciate no. this. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> Fun fact: okay. we actually find the hosts if they don't join. Uh, oh God! That God, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> but so, so Tom. Yes, sir. Uh, the the other mysterious thing that the Bendu says is that Atalan was hard to find on purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So, what do you think? Like, he, why is Atalan so hard to find? Is Bendu purposely hiding it? And if so, why? What is he trying to hide? You know, that is a very good question. Yeah. Um, and the only people who could probably answer that question are Dave Filoni and Henry, Henry Gilroy and everybody who's writing the show. Because what they're trying That's to hide... That's a cop-out. Well, it's... But it's true. I'm going to go I can with... Only it's probably a, uh, a, uh, another temple of some kind. But one well, that okay, they if still it's a, haven't found? Yeah. If I mean, it's a, they were... How long were they actually on the planet? Not, I mean, they were there for a season, but it's not like they were exploring yeah, very much because of the Krikna. Well, it's true. But if there is a temple on that planet, don't you think Ezra and Kanan would have been drawn to it? Not if uh, unless I mean Ben was hiding might it. have been hiding it. Yeah, yeah. So, but I have a are feeling saying that the temple that's there could be the one in the middle. <laughs> Don't even. I'm saying yeah. I I would actually not be surprised if we have one more episode that goes back to Adalon next season. Not the whole season, not nearly as much as we spent this year, but like just like we had an episode about the Lothal Temple, I would not be surprised if we have one more episode with Ben. But so, they're going to have but... to be called back. They're going to have to have a reason to go back because oh, I'm if sure Bendu... I have a feeling Bendu will be more than happy to call them back. I don't think so in this case. No, I, think I, I got the gonna... impression he wanted them gone. I, yeah, he did. But oh, I, he wanted them gone. I mean, he also got. I mean, shot he literally at shot and... them with lightning as they were leaving the planet. Like, yeah, and he yelled true. at Kanan. That's like a he yelled don't, at Kanan don't let the storm leaving. hit you on the way out type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. But anyway, it's very interesting. Bendu is lots a uh, very very mysterious character and I'm I'm curious if we'll ever see him again cuz uh it was yeah. I don't know. The, I I the, Bendu just leaves me at a loss for words in some ways. The only way we will find out two ways. One, William, you may find out celebration or two, that will come in the middle of fourth season or three. I am the Bendu, the one in the middle of all the coverage. That's true. Or three, <laughs> it may just be over. I mean, it, it is one of those things that I've stated before. In some cases, I think when it comes to characters, why do we need some ex- some backstory to them at all? Leave them mysterious. And if this is the way the Bindu is supposed to be, because he is the one in the middle and he is mysterious and he plays both sides then just leave the character be and walk away if this is going to be if this is going to be if, with the character. 
done. The other thing I could see is uh, if we have a return of Vader at all in Rebels, um, one of the themes of the Rebellion is this idea that the Empire is evil enough that you can't stand by. Like, there is no middle. You're either... Right. <laughs> you're either... Uh, well, yeah. Uh, like, I'm blanking on Anakin's For us or against and, us. Uh, yeah. Which is, oh. you know, maybe kind of an absolute. Yeah. But my point yeah. is, maybe the Bendu finds that he has no choice. Maybe... The Empire doesn't leave Adelon alone, despite the fact that it really didn't go very well for them. Maybe the Bendu got so upset I mean, that he kind of went. went into the Unknown Regions and became Snoke. Oh, jeez. Bendu is Snoke. <sighs> Confirmed. <laughs> Wait, if you no. real Hang on. Let's think about this for a second. Oh, jeez. Bendu, no Bendu has an E in his name, and so does Snoke. No way. There's no S. And there's no B. Um, or Ezra is Snoke. As a side note, <laughs> clearly that's 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 clear. Clearly, actually, it. you know what? <sighs> Hang on, I know uh, because I take I, that back. I, yeah, we we. I we feel kind back. of good yeah. about that. Okay. Anyway, we should talk <laughs> about something related to this actual episode. Yeah. But, so um, so let's. Yeah, rewinding back to General Dadana and the Masasi group, they're, yeah, they're that's on their way. Yeah, that's what I was going to go to. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, you know, ge- we found out that General Dadana is the one who received all of the Y-Wings that the, uh, they stole earlier in the season. I-, I love how they kept bringing things back mm-hmm. in this episode from, you know, kind of tying up all the loose ends. But they also brought back the, that carrier, too. The carrier is there. Yeah. The Y-Wings are there. The shield Rebels generator. Is, the shield generator was probably yep. one of my favorite things they brought back. Yep. Rebels is so good at setting those things up throughout the season. I even you know your the the episodes that you kind of think are one offs that you know they're not really one offs because mm-hmm. they're gonna come back. Right. And I have to give the Rebels uh, team credit. While they don't are not always the most subtle <clears throat> in you know in what they do, they they sometimes prefer. Uh, more exposition to just you know showing um when it comes to reusing the stuff they don't hit you over the head with it right uh it's it's kind of there for the fans who who kind of pay close attention and realize oh wait, wait isn't that from uh you know x y or z from that earlier episode 10 mm-hmm. episodes yeah ago? yeah and so if you listen carefully you'll uh you'll you'll see it and you'll realize what's going on, but um, they don't they don't hit you over the head, which which I appreciate. They do a good job of that, mm-hmm. definitely. Which is which is nice. Um, and, and I know we already kind of talked briefly about the name Masasi Group. I just I love I love the name and it's you know the EU roots and you know for those who don't know, I actually don't the, know if those are EU roots. I have a feeling. Is it was well, it in the no, novelization or the script or something? No, because wasn't. Wasn't on uh, Yavin Four. They were they were the Masasi were, temples. Yes, but I don't know where that was actually named. That was that's what I'm trying. to My gut okay. says that must have been in one of the drafts or in the novelization, but I'm not positive. Okay, you you might be right. You might be right. Uh, nevertheless, I I enjoyed that they called it the Masasi Group. Although it was interesting, they call it Masasi Group instead of like Yavin Four or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have the Lothal I mean, Rebels and the Masasi group. My expectation is there's probably lots of Masasi temples across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so calling them the Masasi group is not revealing. Calling them the Yavin 4 group probably is. Probably direct right to the planet. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. 
Uh, but that was cool, and you know they've got so, pretty much many many of the same ships uh, that that we saw at the end of Secret Cargo, right, Stephen? Yeah, I thought that was really nice. Um, the Corellian Corvettes, the Hammerheads, especially Hammerhead which showed goes, up. That dates back to season two, season one. Uh, yeah, yeah, season uh, two with long time. Yeah, yep. middle season two with Leia. Um, so it's no, it was, the one I was just nice. ask you guys is how did you guys feel about General Dodonna's voice? Uh, I didn't have a problem with it. There was something about the look, though. I was trying to... When I first saw him, it reminded me of some other animation character that I just couldn't put my finger on. It'll probably end... I'll probably put a finger on it at some point. His, but... look, his look didn't bother me any more than, say, um, uh, within the way Dodonna looked in uh, in Rogue One. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Rogue One. He just looked a little bit off, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But um, it wasn't like it wasn't bad uh, at all, and uh, I did like the 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 one thing is is his voice. There were times where it didn't quite sound right. I don't know. I went I went back and forth. I, I uh, really on didn't like Donna's voice. voice. Like there was a familiarity to it, but he also sounded fairly different. I don't know. Yeah, it was. You weren't you were not a fan. I was not impressed. That was the one part of the episode. I keep saying this. That was one of the things that I did not like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not like it was a horrible thing and ruined the episode for me. Just that it did not. It wasn't Dodonna to me. Hmm. And he doesn't yeah. have that much dialogue in episode four. But just the like, and here is Princess Leah. And he has kind of this kind of deeper voice. And I feel like this one was a little more nasally, which just it didn't. It was like an o- a couple octaves off. He had yeah, a cold. Didn't... That didn't bother me. No. Uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't bother me. I think the interesting yeah. thing, though, is that the Masasi group even volunteered to help the Lothal rebels. Um, you know, with, with, the, nice the, with, the, with the fraction, the factions still so divided as of Rogue One, uh, they were so divi- divided that they wouldn't even launch an offensive. It was interesting that they were able to get help from, uh, from Donna. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, but I, you know, you, you gotta love the the look of all the ships j- jumping in, uh, jumping out of hyperspace into the system, and uh, and and Sato and and everyone else all of a sudden realizing. Even writers there too. Writer Azadi makes a brief appearance. He hasn't really had much of a presence on the show, but every once in a while he pops up in these episodes, just as like a background character, and then disappears again. Um, but uh, and all of a sudden they realize that that Thrawn is on the way and the fleet of star destroyers arrive mm-hmm. with, yes, with, a, with a special surprise because as they're trying to leave and all of a sudden one of the rebel ships gets ready to jump to hyperspace. You see it take off and then it's pulled out. I was so very happy about having the interdictors here. One, because they actually use the interdictors correctly and not in the weird way <laughs> they did in season two. And two, in the Thrawn trilogy, one of the big standout moments, or like one of the big characteristics of Thrawn's uh, fleet style is the use of interdictors to trap rebel ships. Mm-hmm. This was just... The f- setup for this was very beautifully done, yeah. and I could and what, not have been happier. And what I loved about it is after the ship got pulled out of hyperspace, you just see this interdictor rise from the bottom of your TV screen. Just like, ha, 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 look what we brought. 
it wasn't and, just and the there. effects on the ship being pulled out were so beautiful mm-hmm. outstanding because you see the jump you, sh- you see the ship jump into hyperspace and all of a sudden you get that purplish pinkish yellow blue color as it's ripped uh, 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 just yeah. ripped out of hyperspace and uh oh it looked beautiful yeah beautiful and and, and just the fact that uh thrawn was um you know he they immediately cut off all transmissions to and from the planet so they can't call for help i think you know thrawn thrawn did this did this right um, yeah well it, it it's one of the things you knew there was a there was a payoff coming and this was it he built everything up for this moment especially to the point to where he even calls hera and to donna and seto seto and just like you know what you're surrounded there's no option but it's like he wasn't going to make it he wanted utter defeat for the rebels Mm-hmm. That's what yeah, he wanted. I liked his line about I'm not accepting surrenders at this time. Yes. Please try again. Yes. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's basically like he, a tech support line. That's uh, your exactly call is very important to us. No. Yeah. Um yeah. And, and and you know, it was also earlier in the episode, I don't think we mentioned Thrawn gave him explicit orders to capture the, the rebel leadership so they could make yes, an example of them and, and not kill them. And so that drives a lot of Thrawn's decisions in this episode. And I think it's the only thing that actually saved them from, uh, from 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 being destroyed by by Thrawn, right? Well, it it did because he ordered that planetary bombardment, and that's where you got to see the shield generator well, hey, pop back up again. We're, well, we're, you're jumping ahead again. Well, we've jumped ahead right? already. No, but there's a huge space battle we should talk about first. <laughs> Stephen is eager to talk about the space battle. Okay, so let's talk this about is the space why battle. I'm here, Tom. Okay, Stephen, space battle, take it. So there was a big space battle in the episode. Um, the end. The end. Okay. <laughs> I, I had a feeling it was going to go there. <laughs> I was really, really excited. Uh, we The setup was perfect. You've got th- the fleet of ships that Thrawn has brought to the table. Uh, you know that they're trapped there, so there's no escape for the rebels. The rebel fleet is there, including a couple of Nebulon Bs, uh, a couple of Corvettes, Hammerheads. All the setup is there. And they were... Uh, I'd actually put this on par, I mean, for an animated show on par, uh, mm-hmm. with the Rogue One space battle in terms of how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. It still had my little pet peeves of not dealing with shields very consistently <sighs> and not having the capital ships actually fight each other very much. Um, it was Although very we got focused a little on bit of that. fighters. No, we, we, we got a little we got, bit, which I was really happy with. Some of them got with. destroyed. Yeah, so yeah. that's the thing. we got a little bit of it, which made actually more than we got in Road One, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, but yeah, in fact, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like this episode or the, the combined, we probably had one of the longest space battles we've ever seen between this and, I, and Rogue One. Yeah, I would agree. I think I'd agree. Yeah, it was probably I don't know sixty percent space battle between the two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, it's a solid like 20 minute space battle. It felt like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I really appreciated that. It was, it was really good stuff. Really good stuff. And so, um, uh, no, it, it was, it was great. And we, we had Sato telling them to use, and I appreciate this, Defense Formation Arc 1. Now, those of you who know Arbush know that Arc is the name of the, uh, the letter A, uh, in, in the Star Wars universe. So it's little things like that, which, which were nice. Mm. 
Um, but uh, but Hera ends up coming up with a plan, and she decides she sends uh, Kanan and Ezra. Although, as we know, as we discussed, Kanan goes after Bendu and, and and kind of bails on Ezra. But she sends Ezra in the Gauntlet Mall's ship to uh to go find backup with Chopper. They were basically yeah, gonna don't forget jump into jump a uh, escape the battle um call for reinforcements come back and, and attack the flank uh although uh, it doesn't quite work as expected and i loved it when when you know ezra is or kanan decides to go find bendu and ezra basically finds out he's gonna be by himself everybody walks away he's just like may the forest be with me yeah <laughs> which is good which was really good. And we got a nice little callback to Rex's day slugging for Jupas as well from, from season two, uh, which was which is good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, this episode also showed, and I, I think, I feel like we didn't, we haven't really seen this, but this side of Maul, uh, Maul Thrawn as much. We, we've talked about his artistic side, but he's also a brilliant tactician. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciated how during this battle, Thrawn is, he's holding back right he he's doing very much a um an emperor palpatine style move where he's you know, mm-hmm. keeping the fleet back letting the rebels come to him he's analyzing their tactics and at one point he's like you know oh i recognize this tactic this is um you know this is from sato is you know one of the uh the the best commanders that to come out of the micapo system and this is the his Danan tactic and uh and and so I just I, I loved how he's calling these things out and recognizing them and then trying to counter them. Well, I yeah. also what I also liked is, you know, Constantine didn't believe him, and 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 Thrawn is like going to the explanation like, look at these are the rebels. They will always find a way to win. Mm-hmm. So this is why I'm doing it. And Constantine just conventional wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 Constantine, and it shows later, couldn't take it anymore. And and well, went off I, in his own. Go ahead. This no. it was a great example of Thrawn is not your typical Imperial. He yes. doesn't rush in just because he's overwhelming force. He hangs back. He analyzes, uh, and he's he treats it very impersonally, which most of the other Imperial commanders don't really seem to do. Right. Yep. Constantine um, was the he, best example. And I, exactly, and like even you know, yeah. a lot of Imperials don't respect the rebels. I would say, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you've got Admiral Ozzo who's like, oh, I just I figured I'd jump out earlier so we could surprise them. Um, you know, all those types of things are just great. Like, not Thrawn. Thrawn doesn't do that, mm-hmm. except for Constantine, who just makes one tiny little slip up. Boy, did he pay for that sucker! Well, so did Sato. Yeah. You, well, well, Sato yeah. makes the ultimate sacrifice, trying to help Ezra escape. Yeah. Were, were you guys expecting that? I certainly was not. Because we, we talked about, you know, it's the season finale. Is someone going to die? What's going to happen? We speculated maybe it's going to be Kanan based on the you know his talk at the beginning of the episode. But but no. Maybe it's going to be all of them. Yeah. Maybe we're going to pull Rogue One and no one's making it out this time. Season four is all about a completely new cast. Well, um, but the Mandalorians. But no, no it, it, yeah. it was not. Well, we'll get to that. Um, yeah. Sato sacrifices himself to help Ezra escape, and he, you know, orders his the, his ship evacuated, and uh, you know, two pilots decide to to stay with him, and they fly their rebel carrier toward the fl- Imperial fleet, 
And uh, well, he way, goes. I really like that the moment interdictor. where the. I really like the think, moment when the the pilots were like, "No, we're we're staying." Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It, it showed how their loyalty to Sato, even though we've never, we don't know who these pilots are, what their names are. They very generic models. They're both the same guy, basically. Um, it shows that you know Sato demands respect and loyalty and that they want to stay behind and help him pilot the ship even though they know it's going to mean their death and so it was a it was a pretty pretty big moment when constantine is you know he's sitting there and he wants the glory of killing sato so he moves his ship out of out of position and, and tries to approach and sato just at the last minute turns his ship and rams mm-hmm. uh constantine's starter store completely bisecting I, and that and was Thrawn such a beautiful shot yeah, yeah. and and Thrawn I, knew it, uh, and if i remember gorgeous. if i remember correct yeah and Thrawn knew it was coming too i oh, mean he Thrawn, could see, he oh, could yeah. see as soon it as was out of position yeah he knew he was in trouble yeah it, um, it really now, was one thing though. did did you guys notice the second interdictor in the beginning of the episode no 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 i, I so didn't i was as soon as that ship gets destroyed my my reaction was rebels go like this is the chance go and the fact that they didn't, I was I was kind of frustrated with it. And we revealed kind of later on in the episode, oh, there's another interdictor, so that's why they can't escape anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Not a huge deal. I would have liked if they'd have set up that second interdictor just a little bit earlier to make it that mm-hmm. se- me not have to worry, think about that. And I think the problem, I think honestly, if I if I think about it, the problem was that uh, they showed the interdictor emerging from hyperspace and they had an up close shot, so it just looked like one. Yep. Gotcha. Uh, if I if I had to guess, that's probably what what happened there. But I, I agree, I agree. Uh, but man, I I did like that when that interdictor exploded. The the color and it was a little bit a little bit overkill, you might argue. But man, it no. was a beautiful. No such thing. Uh, blowing up explosions. Totally agree. Totally agree. It was very totally very nice. So I, I I appreciate that quite. Let a bit. it go down in flames. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Now, what I found interesting when Ezra was going for help, him contacting Mamothma. And Mamothra was like, um, I'm going to negotiate for fair treatment for the Imperial prisoners. I, I mean, that was quite the bold really? thing to say. Well, I completely okay, agree. Stephen, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just, sorry. I, I completely agree with Mon Mothma. But. I, that's, the Empire doesn't really negotiate. Yeah. And especially not at this point when they have no reasons to respect anything that the rebels do. And in fact, have a vested interest in not giving them legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, see, so when when Hera told Ezra to go out, go out and find reinforcements, part of me thought, who's going to come help them? Thrawn is attacking he is they're out the rebels are outnumbered outgunned outmanned they're going out they now this this brilliant tactician knows where their base is they might get reinforcements but even if they're able to flank theron the chances of them winning are, are still like tough or, or they still put more rebels at risk and and be, they have these cells for a reason right they 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 have the cells so that if they're found, they're not all wiped out at once. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, and so by going and getting reinforcements, they just put the rest, rest of the rebellion at risk. Well, and that's and, probably part of why Mon Mothma says, yeah, sorry, not happening. Right, right. exactly. No, and so when, 
when uh, when she says that, I was like, you know what, Monomothma, I agree with you. That was the right move. As 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 tough as it is to say no, we can't help. Monomothma's completely right. You know, they um, there's there's nothing they can do. They will just put everyone else at more risk. There will be another time. Yeah, and and you know. Bale even says that Bail Organa was right. It's too soon for open warfare. Uh, so, uh, you know, she, she decides she refuses to help. And instead Ezra goes after, uh, he, he goes to his backup plan, an old friend, Sabine, <laughs> an old friend. He hasn't seen in 10 minutes in one episode, half an episode. So, okay. Was it too early to bring back in Sabine? No, no it was no, preferred that she wasn't gone for that long she's a very important part of the show yeah it is it's never too early to bring back mandalorians in my opinion so i mean yeah. i yeah I, I i felt like she just left though i don't know i i, I love I, I like sabine a lot i'm glad she's back um but i was just surprised by how quickly they brought her back onto the show well you know what i find fascinating because did we get a tease that we were supposed to see another Mandalorian this season and she never appeared. I don't know. It was never confirmed. I don't think uh, I, I always thought it was teased because I, I thought Kitty Sackoff agreed to come back to play Bo-Katan. I remember hearing that as well, but yeah, it, it's one of the things like, I don't remember if it was just uh, unofficially confirmed or if we actually had, it was a guaranteed thing. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm possible guess, she'll be back. Based on the fact that it didn't season. happen, I'm guessing it was not a guaranteed thing. Okay. Yeah, it's possible she'll be back next season, or maybe she was cut out the last minute, but I don't know. I can't. That's actually very possible. I, I have a feeling she's next season, if she is in the show. Mm-hmm. I could see that. And depending, yeah. I know Clone Wars worked pretty far ahead, so it's very possible that uh, people when assume. we were hearing about it was actually when they were doing season four, not season right. three. That, I could see it. I could say it. Yeah, that, that seems that seems reasonable. Now, very reasonable, dude. Now, can we can we get to the shield generator now? Because this is actually <laughs> now pretty cool. you're, you're excited so, for this one, huh? Well, I because it because it's actually this is pretty cool. The shield generator so, thing. You know, the rebels are defeated in space. They can't survive the uh, star destroyers that are coming after them, and so they retreat down to the planet where they use the shield generator from many many episodes ago. Tom, what did you think about the shield generator? I thought it was pretty cool because to see an aerial bombardment from space with a bunch of Star Destroyers go after the shield generator, that even Zeb and Rex make a comment that they had to jerry-rig because Sabine's the one that knows how the thing works. Well, they jerry-rigged it good enough to where it gets a good pounding out of it. But what I thought, and this is a total Thrawn move, he pounds and pounds and pounds. And just when the shield generator was giving out, he didn't know this. But for the luck of the rebels, he stopped the bombardment right, probably not to his knowledge, but right when the shield was going to go down. So you had all that tension build up that as soon as the shield goes down, they're going to get bombarded. Mm -hmm. And then it stops. But that must have put stress on them because it's like, okay, our shield just went down and we're still alive because the aerial bombardment stopped. But in a total Thrawn move, Launch the invasion well, force. Before we get oh, too far. Sorry. Did, did, okay. No, it's fine. Did either of you ever watch uh, Stargate Atlantis at all? No. No. So uh, 
the show takes place on a fictional alien city called Atlantis. Um, and a lot of the first season deals with the fact that they're on this, uh, you know, amazing, super high tech, uh, ship, basically like city ship, but they don't have enough power to do anything with it. And you know, the fine, there's like a three part, uh, season finale where they're under attack. And, um, at the last second they get a power source from, you know, an from unexpected help. And there's this huge sequence where they're trying to get the shield up for the first time. They've never done it before. And the shield looks very similar to the shield in, uh, rebels, which is why I'm bringing it up. Mm -hmm. And what happens is, you know, there's a bunch of like kamikaze ships that are all coming down and, uh, you know, there's an aerial bombardment and it was just like in this episode. Like it's just this really beautiful effect. I I don't know if they borrowed it from that and took inspiration from it. You know, the, the shots when you're inside the shield looking up as these massive laser blasts mm -hmm. are hitting it. Just that was pretty cool. So cool. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Well, that was, un un was an unintentional. Uh, okay. Uh, unintentional uh, credit quote. Yeah. And then on top of all that, just to see the destruction around the base mm -hmm. with all the trees gone. And then at a certain point, Kanan, since he was coming back from basically ticking off Bindu, you've got Hera saying, get back here, get back here. You know, did, what did you guys think of Hera actually calling him love at one point? <laughs> uh, they're getting I, less William, less your subtle. comment was what? They're getting... Yeah, never mind. You just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to... That was exactly my comment. Yes. Thank you, Stephen, yes. for the perfect segue. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, I guess that's that's really all I have there. But no, it, yeah, I was uh, a little bit surprised to hear her call him love, but also mm -hmm. not. Um, and and I loved Kanan's line. I get the feeling that Thrawn is actually trying to kill us this time. <laughs> yeah, that was a good line. Well, uh, hey, after this, after an entire season where we felt like Thrawn could have killed him but chose not to, that was very welcome. Yeah, he was he was waiting for the proper moment, and this was it. Because remember, he he was looking for the right opportunity because he is as strategist and this was the perfect opportunity to do it and was this the first time we actually saw an aerial bombardment within star wars i would um, we, we've heard about it many times but i think the first time we've seen it in but, okay, the movies or tv but wouldn't the death star blowing up um uh, i don't really count be an aerial bombardment uh, this is uh, different Jedi? we're talking about star destroyers shooting turbo okay. lasers down onto the surface of a planet no, that's which we've point. heard about. That's a good point. But it was it was very very cool. I, I liked seeing that quite a lot. And you know, again with with the whole Kanan fake out earlier in the episode where we thought he was you know, or I thought he was having his death speech, uh, seeing well, him he was like narrowly die, avoid. Was yeah, no, the, no, no this it was, was not, not, it's not how they would do it. But they still made it like he still narrowly avoided many of those those blasts. He's a Jedi. He could have just pulled out his lightsaber and deflected him. And they did try to Sorry. fake us out where, you know, he gets I don't think you can shot, he falls lasers. off. Well, I'm, I'm kidding on that respect. In that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They did try to surprise. They did try to make us think he was dead, though, for a little while. Mm-hmm. But he's not because, I mean, it's Kanan. Mm -hmm. So. Um, but no, I, 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 I did enjoy that quite a bit, as well as the, the ground assault. As well, I know Stephen, uh, Tom, you're mm -hmm. you're you're eager to discuss that ground assault. I'm eager to discuss it because basically we we almost got ourselves a rebel, uh, sorry, Clone Wars episode in this one because it it felt it felt natural that it was Clone Wars because you know it you've did got feel Rex, like Clone Wars, yeah, because hey, you have you, totally right, Tom. Yeah, and and you've got Rex leading the forces. They set a trap, which are, the, for me this would be the one spot 
where, where I'd be like, really? For the master tactician Thrawn is, I know that he he played them in this, but don't you think you would have seen it coming and also gone to attack the flank instead of coming down basically a choke point? Because I know Rex placed the detonators in the right spot, and you had Thrawn basically tactically saying, advance these guys first, okay, figure out where their, their, you know, their ambush is, and then advance the rest of the forces. Don't you think he would have thought, well, let's try and outflank him at the same time with the amount of firepower he probably had? I mean, yeah. y- y- yes, that's yeah. what a, that's what a logical person would do, but yeah. But then this again, is this is Thrawn. He was, yeah. This 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 was Thrawn, and he was he was kind of going for broke because I think at this point he still wanted the rebel leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, destroy everybody else, but please give me the rebel leaders. No, I mean he had he had orders to do that. Yeah. So. Uh, I I loved your comment though, Stephen, as we were watching this. Which comment? Well, so I'm trying we, to remember. So Rex and Which Zeb guys? and the rebel soldiers are hiding behind cover, looking through their macabre up, you know, getting ready. Uh, they're like, so they're hiding behind cover in a very, you know, uh, Clone Wars esque scene. And I, I believe your exact quote was something like, um, "Okay, look through the macabre binoculars and the leg oh. of a walker," and he puts the macabre binoculars up to his uh, his eyes. And then you see the first ATPT walker start to appear, and it there was like go. it wasn't the foot of the walker, but it was pretty much exactly like classic Star Wars, you know. And the music kicks in. And it wasn't exactly the um, the Battle of Hoth music, but it was close it was, enough. It was inspi- clearly saying. inspired by, and uh, so yeah, it was it was a nice uh, nice intro there, and I loved how uh, how was it Zeb or, or Rex said we need to. We need to. We need Sabine to invent a shield. You can't walk through. <laughs> that was actually pretty cool. That was cool because for me that was a callback to uh, Phantom Menace, where you had the droids walk through the shield to go after the Gungans. Yeah, that was really cool. And I, yeah. I actually really, really liked the fact when the the walkers kind of finally broke through the shield and it went around them and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's all all good stuff. It was a, yeah. it was a fun. Fun episode. We have you know Wedge and Hobby making an appearance, flying uh, over Chopper Base to clear the skies, while everyone else fends off not the ATPTs but the ATATs as well. Uh, as a side note, uh, uh-huh. I really hope one of they have an episode in season four devoted to Wedge getting his X-wing. Oh yes, because he hasn't been flying we, yet. No, we, we haven't seen no. any X-wings yet. He might get no, one after. He, I don't know. He's flown an A. He's flown the shuttle. He's flown ties. Uh, as I'm thinking about it, I guarantee that's going to be a it's going to be a big plot point next season. Will will be the stealing of the X wings. The last we're assuming so. it's the last season of Rebels. It is not Rebels without X wings. It is not a Rebel with like you can't be the Rebel Alliance without X wings. I mean, as it's getting closer to Rogue One, yes, and I can guarantee that will be Stephen's favorite episode. Period. Most I think it's going to be a few a few episodes. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll probably be mine as well. Yeah. But uh, but meanwhile, uh, over on Cronest, Ezra uh, lands and asks for Sabine's help. And this is, there was a very small piece of dialogue that kind of disappointed me in some ways. And that was, 
uh, Ursa Wren telling Ezra that Mandalore is in the midst of a civil war with the deceased Gar Saxon's forces uh, and the Empire on one side and Clan Wren on the other, and they're all stretched to their limits. I'm like, wow. With that line of dialogue, they summed up a really cool conflict that we are most likely never going to see in in the show. And I get it. Uh, This is the story of Ezra and the Rebels. It's not the story of Mandalore. We might see it. You don't... But it, I wouldn't give up man, hope on that one yet. I agree with Steven, because if the Mandalorians stay true to what we know they're supposed to be, Mandalorians, as you find here, they fight each other, but they're also on separate sides. So there could be the Mandalorians that will side with the Empire and the Mandalorians that are going to side with the Rebels. So there could still yeah. be the story of the Mandalorians joining or some faction of the Mandalorians, please Clan Skarata, uh, join the Rebellion. Yeah. Well, I think more likely is, let's again assume for a moment that season four is last season, because it. I totally agree. That's my guess. Um, I bet you we're going to. Sabine's send off episode will be her going back to Mandalore and dealing with that. And whatever happens to the rest of the crew, Sabine will no longer be part of it, as she'll be on Rebels. On. uh, Not on Rebels, on Mandalore. Agreed. I think that is her end game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I just I I maybe maybe you're right. Maybe we'll see more next season. I just I wish. We... If we don't, I'll be just as disappointed as you. Don't worry. Yeah, because I was like, that is such a cool concept, right? That the Mandalorian civil war led by Sabine and Clan Ren, and she kind of just summed it up all at once. It was like, okay, now let's go focus on nothing. And I get it. Remember, it's 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 Ezra's story. It's the Rebel story. It's not. You know, it's Star Wars Rebels, not Star Wars Mandalorians. Um, but it would have been cool to see. And maybe we'll I'll get it in it. a comic or a book you're, or something. You're reminding me of uh, some old EU discussions, William. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But anyway, it's. Uh, the important part for this episode is that Ezra gets his help. Yes, he does. Yeah. He does. Uh, he, he does get don't volunteered get... Mandalorians. Yeah. Yeah. The Ursa can't. Sp- can't spare um you know an entire uh, army but she does give him any volunteers who want to come join and so they you know they they fly back to atalon and arrive just in time with fenrau's wings of mandalorian fighters engaging the imperial forces and uh it, it was really cool to see and, and governor price surprisingly quickly deduces mm-hmm. uh who is behind the uh the attack i was actually surprised by how quickly she forgot how sabine well to a certain extent I, I really hate to say this but there was really in the imperial eyes only one option because what other mandalorian if she stayed up on her rebel crew of the ghost hung out with the rebels mm-hmm. it was only sabine and naturally if mandalorian show up it would hopefully be sabine that would be leading them yeah, it, so. it was a logical deduction, I think, on her part, especially because Mandalorian fighters are as distinctive as they are. Yep. Now, we got another fun scene in this episode with uh, some some zero-G action. Steven, yes. thoughts? This was pretty cool. Uh, the sequence where the Mandalorians uh, uh, debark, I'm going to think is the technical word, from the, uh, the gauntlet and board the... Uh, Wow, not words are not coming to me. And they board the interdictor. Really, really cool. Huge mm-hmm. fan. 
very reminiscent of uh, the Clone Wars 2D series, actually. Yep. If you remember. Cool stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and just fan. to see, I, I think in this case, just to see that kind of fighting in Zero-G was fascinating because you not only had the Mandalorians, but you also had stormtroopers, if I remember correctly, that had jetpacks outside of the interdictor trying to repel the borders. Yeah, or I, at least you the, had the other jet troopers that were yeah. also involved. And yeah, it was yeah. just overall really, really nicely done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean the, the the physics were not perfect in this scene, right? They were they were kind of like partial zero g. They were they were running and still they had some gravity. Maybe it was because the gravity wells were generating a field. Or I mean, we know that rebel ships have not uh, Star Wars ships have gravity inside. That's maybe true. So there's a slight effect near the hole. So That's... so you would you would think they're more bouncing on the moon? Well, I assume they have magnetic G. boots, right? Yeah. I mean that the, the the way you describe it and, and the way I saw it, they were more like they were running on the moon type. There was some kind of gravity there, not a lot. Um, you know, and you could just see that Ezra's not that great with a lightsaber in zero G. He's got some work to do. Um, but yeah. it was, it was pretty cool to see this though. Yeah. It was a really, one, again, lots of really cool scenes in this episode between the spaceship fight and, you know, the ground battle and things like that. But that, this one stood out, especially I thought. Mm-hmm. Especially when they finally blew up, uh, that one part of the, um, interdictor mm-hmm. and finally they were able to bring that down. Caused a quite the chain reaction completely decimating that yeah, shit. Yeah, that part I didn't like as much. But I, at this point, I'm used to Rebels dealing, having everything explode at the slightest problem. Guys, guys, the the trash can is full. Look out! And then it explodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tra- oh, taking out the trash has never been more fun. <laughs> or dangerous. That's That's why they use compactors, so they don't have to worry about a trash can. There you go. Yeah. That didn't work. <laughs> It was a nice thought, Tom. I know. I tried. Yeah. Nice, nice try. Nice try. Okay. Um, so, uh, I, I, what, so one, another, one, another great moment is, um, the, the shield generator finally fails, right? And the, the rebel ships start to flee the base. The, uh, the interdictor is now down and the rebels are, are trying to evacuate, and you almost get this Hoth vibe, right? As they're they're under oh, fire, very much. Mm-hmm. the Gallifrey transport should... takes off. Stephen, I want to note before we get too far. Um, at this point, the rebels have already lost a number of capital ships, and thing I think Dodonna lost all of his Nebulon B frigates. Um, we've had. Uh, I'm trying to think what else has been destroyed at this point. A couple of Corellian corvettes have been destroyed. It is, despite the fact that they the rebels end up escaping, they lost probably two thirds of their forces here. Oh, more like, than that. In, despite like, the fact that the ghosts cr- escape, in no way is this a victory for the rebels, and not, and it is a victory for Thrawn. Not okay. victory, you say? Okay, I was going to say they got away. So, in a, so in the slimmest possible way you can look at it, it was a victory because well, they were able to get away. It is a personal no. victory and a failure for the rebellion. Yes, right. I mean, I, I I did a count at the end. I saw the ghost, the gauntlet. Two hammerheads and a Corellian Corvette, plus a, a handful of A-wings and Y-wings. 
that's the sum total. We saw so many more ships destroyed. I would say probably, you know, 20%, if that, of the fleet mm-hmm. escaped, maybe 10%, Agreed. Um, including, you know, Sato's major uh, carrier and all sorts of things. So it was quite the... Um, it was. It was not a not a good day to be a rebel. No, no, and and I I had to feel bad for the the Gallifrey transport, right? Because as as they're taking off, <laughs> you you get this, you know, the first transport is away feeling, and all of a sudden yeah. the Gallifrey just gets destroyed and fly you know, hits uh ends up crashing right back down on the ground, which was a nice uh contrast to what we're used to in uh in in Star Wars at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, here's a question. Okay, so when the transport falls, Thrawn appears. Mm-hmm. He threatens to kill Kane unless Hera surrenders, or basically, you know, the rebellion surrenders. Does Thrawn not know Kanan is a Jedi? Oh, I think he did. I think he was, he correctly summed that uh, Kanan was probably difficult to defeat on his own, but you could convince him to surrender by threatening those that he cares about. Because he's a Jedi and sacrifices okay. what he does. No, good point. Good point. Because, you know, if he were to threaten to kill Kanan, as soon as the, you know, blaster came up, Kanan could have whipped out the lightsaber and deflected. Even though he's blind, he still can see. He could have deflected the bolt right back into um, Thrawn. But I, f- I found that interesting. Yeah. Oh, well. That's I mean, fair. it would have been a yeah. good opportunity to attack Thrawn, but... Nevertheless, um, mm-hmm. they, they just well, off. the person that does get to get to attack Thrawn <laughs> along with the rebels is this is where Bindu comes back as a big storm cloud. Although that was hinted a lot in the second half of the episode because there was a quote unquote storm brewing. Yeah. And Bindu was not happy that his planet was being attacked. Yeah, I feel like we talked about this for the most part. I just want to reiterate. Yeah, no. It was pretty brutal watching lightning strikes take out like the Gallifrey transports and things like mm-hmm. that. Like it was well, also why death, you got to imagine this? and the death like all the rebels got me thinking like thanks Kanan, this was so helpful. Aren't you well, Kanan, like Kanan even makes that comment. Kanan even makes that comment as they're flying away. You know, that he really, you know, made somebody upset, but just basically keep flying, keep flying. You know, let's <laughs> exactly, go keep flying. Yeah, I, I I did enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Um, yeah I, you got to feel bad for Kanan who tried to go get help, and then it pretty much backfires on him, and uh, kind of paid for it in a yeah. way. Yeah, which was which was unfortunate. Well, he's already lost his eyesight. I wonder what he's going to lose next season in order to make up for this one. His mind. Oh, I don't know. But wow. y- y- I, mean, I thought he was going to die in this one, so he's he's already out well, of the game. True thought story. a few people were going to. Well, here's here's one person that really didn't die, and that was Callus. Now, this was you've got Callus on the bridge of the Star Destroyer with Governor Price, and Governor Price orders him off to take him off by two stormtroopers. You know, when he was pulled into that elevator, you had a feeling something was up. I love the little smile. I yes, mean, you know, like that's the what I was getting. Mouth. At. Yep. He just kind of smiles, and the door closes, and. We cut to another scene, and then when it comes back, the guards are down. And Cam just, Callus just walks right out. And he's like a Harry Houdini. He was able to get out of those uh, shackles and get himself over to a uh, escape pod, which this actually was pretty cool. 
He was able to get off, get off the, sorry, getting late, folks. He was able to actually get himself off the Star Destroyer and send coordinates to the ghost. They were able to pick him up. And I, what was pretty cool. I was, was fully expecting uh, like a family guy type line where someone's like, should we shoot the escape pod? No, there's no reason to. <laughs> what are we paying by the laser? Uh, you know, something along those lines. Oh, I see what you're I, getting at. I very much was getting, I feel like, why just shoot, just, it's right there, shoot the escape pod. But they That's may right. not have known who it was and things like that, so. Yeah. I, I could have sworn, like, when, I thought they were going to pull some sort of um, trick on us where, you know, Callus is in the escape pod waiting for pickup, but that wasn't him who called the ghost. I thought he was going to call the ghost. One one last trick from Thrawn. Yeah, yeah, and he was going to try to th- trick them into rescuing or going, you know, somewhere which would put them in even more danger. Because the whole time I way. was expecting Kanan, like, is Kanan going to die? Right? And then he didn't oh, die. And yeah. He didn't die. I'm like, okay, well, maybe they're not going to kill him. And then, again, even though, yes, I know he was in the season four announcement, maybe they're faking us out. Who knows? It was. Um, it- if they were going to kill Cannon, they would a hundred percent have put him in the season four announcement. They would or would not. They would have. Yeah, yeah. They I weren't going to reveal. Wanted... Right. I agree. Something like. I agree. Or they they figure out a way to have him in season four where he's force dead. Ghost. But yeah, something. Well, I don't think he he couldn't have. He hasn't learned how to be a force well, ghost. But but yeah, well, force I mean, voice. He spent enough time with Bendu. Maybe he learns how to be the one in the middle. Um. But I, I I thought it was gonna be a trap, but no, uh, it was not. And Hera just like so smoothly picks up that escape pod at breakneck speed, which was cool. Yeah, just whoop, slips and scoops them right up, and then off they go. And uh, and now Callus is officially a rebel. They uh, yeah. they they jump to safety, and uh, and they they finally manage to uh, to get out of there. And we get you know it, they wrap up the episode. Fairly quickly, although it didn't feel rushed, uh, no. with you know a discussion between Callus and Kanan. You know, Callus thanks Kanan for for coming to rescue him, and um, and kind of you know, Callus thanks him in return. And we also find out that Sabine is uh, is going to go back home. She's needed on Mandalore, and uh, it. So I wasn't one hundred percent sure. Did did Hera offer? Sabine rebel resources to help fight the Mandalorians. Oh, I didn't hear that. What it sounded like. She said something like, I can't offer. I, so I've already seen the episode four times. Um, (laughs) and is that all it? So I watched it four times and it doesn't feel, I can never quite catch what Vanessa Marshall says. Uh, and in that scene, it sounds like she's offering. Yeah. I didn't catch it either. Sabine resources, but maybe I'm so wait a minute. Wait a minute. You watched it basically. It's we're recording this on Saturday night, so you watched it. I'm sorry, Sunday night. So you recorded this. You watched it twice. It's not Sunday night, Tom. Don't don't be William. <laughs> but okay. yes. Anyway, All right, no problem. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. No, I, I've I've watched it four times already for various reasons to make sure I prepared the show notes. And um. Uh, but anyway, I I never can never quite hear what it's what what she says, but it sounds like. Sounds like uh, she's she's offering Sabine Rebel resources, so we will see. We will see. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. at, Canon and Ezra also talk, and I don't know. There wasn't. 
I wasn't that blown away by the last by their their, their conversation at the end. Can says they lost everything, but it's not over. He's learned to see things differently. There's a future for us when we're all we're all free, but it's us. But it's up to us to make it happen. Mm. Well, of course he's got to see things differently. He lost his eyesight. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, he has seen things differently all season. But, right. Um, I don't know. It, they kind of wrapped everything up pretty nicely. I mean, the rebels took a massive loss, but they're all still alive. Mm-hmm. No one major died except for Sato. And as much as I like Sato, he he's kind of not a huge deal if he dies. Well, I'm sorry. Sato and Constantine. Yeah. They're... Constantine too. Yeah. But I mean, he was Constantine yeah, dis- con- disobeying well, he... Thrawn. And, so. and you knew, you knew he was going to go anyway. Yeah. I mean, you could just tell the way that he was being treated by Thrawn. He, he wasn't much long for this world anyway. You know, and the rebels did pick up Callus. So it'll be interesting to see how he's going to be used next season. Yep. So, and so, uh, qu- the last big, we get one little throwaway comment, but we find out. Did you guys catch where the ghost is on their way to? Yavin 4. Yavin 4? Yes. I cannot wait for the beginning of next season to see them on Yavin 4. Mm-hmm. Very, very now, excited. I'm going to throw out a question for you guys. Did you think this was the perfect Thrawn payoff? Or do you think it could have done so different? What I finally realized today is coming into this episode is this was a fantastic mid-season finale episode. Really? If imagine if this were the middle of the season, we've now established that Thrawn is not just has a plan, but is actively dangerous. Mm-hmm. This is like this was I, I enjoyed the episode. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying right. I didn't. Uh, this was not a climactic episode like we've had in previous seasons. But what it does is you know it what? builds up to make season four start off even stronger than it has like epi- we have in the past. You know what? Now that you mention it, I have to say I agree with it because I was going to say because it did wrap up the season nicely. It did not. Oh, it did not. Okay, it had the Thrawn payoff. You knew that had to happen. It wrapped up the season nicely. There was no holdover episode going into season four, but it sets a good jump-off point for season four. So, I would say. I wouldn't call it a mid-season finale, but I would call it a season three finale. And it wrapped it up very well. And it it has your your directions pointing for episode uh, season four. Yeah, it's just a different kind of... Yeah. It's just a different kind of um, finale. Finale. One, yeah. I was not expecting i kept expecting something major to happen a big twist a big death something and nothing really came but we got some nice mystery we got some a fantastic space battle mm-hmm. um the episode could not be as climactic as season two right right it's just not possible we had vader and ahsoka and maul like that's insane um yeah. but this episode did a really good job paying off thrawn uh, not perfect, but I liked how they they put together a lot. Uh, well, I guess if I if I have my one complaint is that I feel like Thrawn 
could have used all of the pieces he's gathered over the season a bit more. I don't feel like Theron himself used any of the pe- any of the clues he's gathered over the season, any of the observations, yeah. except that they're they're unconventional. I would have mm-hmm. loved to see him say like, "Oh well, I tracked your location based on the droid, the the you know the 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 probe droid and um and all that kind of stuff." So I think uh, I don't. I would have loved to see him tie a bit more of those together yep i i agree still it was very very enjoyable so uh tom if if you had to rate this episode what would you give it hmm well since we're gonna get on to the ratings right now um i'm gonna give it an eight point i'm gonna give it an 8.5 as a whole i liked it I, i thought it wrapped up the season like i i just said a little while ago it wrapped up the season very well um it it is a different way to end it because normally it's great to have the cliffhangers going into the next season but i think this one was a good way to wrap up this season i think it paid off thrawn as best as it could without letting down the thrawn fans if they didn't have this kind of a payoff and if it was thrawn bumbling through this battle I, I I would have been, you know, a little bit upset and the rating would have gone lower. But I think the way they paid off Thrawn was perfect. Uh, probably could have been a little bit better. But the way they did it, it was fine. I enjoyed it. I give it an 8, 5, 8.5. I wish I could be there to see uh, what's going to be happening in Season 4 at Star Wars Celebration. But I am going to have to wait like everybody else who's not going to go to see what's going to happen and hear all the news. Uh, but I think this is a good jumping off point going into season four. I am taking my 8.5 Womp Rats. I, God, you know what? I don't know how I can, I'm going to take, I'm going to try Steven to see if I can best what you did, but that's never going to happen. I am taking my 8.5 Womp Rats. I am going to have them be the therapy Womp Rats to Bindu to calm him down, to get him off of his anger issues toward Thrawn and Kanan and get him back to his happy point and bring him back to the middle. I just hate to be that 8.5 Womp. Yeah, and I'd hate to be that 8.5 Womp Rat because that's the one that may put him over the edge because it's not a full Womp Rat. He's going to be frustrated that it was only a half. So the storm may have to come and go every once in a while. That that 0.5 of a Womp Rat, he's the one in the middle. He's got four on one side, four in the other, and the, the, the point, point, point five in the middle. He's, he's the one in the middle. Thank you. Thank you. I was taking the other direction where he was upset that he only had half a womp rat. <laughs> but good well, one. That's what I was going to use, but uh, I forgot to give it to you since you were already making Bendu middle jokes. So Okay. With that, uh, I am Steven, so sorry I did that to you, William. What's your, jo- what's your, uh, I was gonna say, what's your joke? What's your review? <laughs> what's your rating? Uh, so I'm also going to give it 8.5 out of 10 Womp Rats. I thought it was a really solid finale. I definitely enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't the big payoff I was expecting for Thrawn, but it was a, like, I wasn't let down by Thrawn, and I expect them to continue paying off Thrawn. Um, so I'll be looking for more Thrawn even next season, which we seem mm-hmm. to be getting. Um, so this, more than almost any other season we've gotten, this felt very much like season three and season four are going to be very closely connected, and the story is going to be almost... I mean, the story always picks up immediately after, but it's going to be... Uh, I don't know quite how to describe it. I just... 
it's going to pick up pretty close. It's going to be very thematically similar, and I'm looking forward to it because I this season's been really good overall. Um, now with my eight and a half Womp Rats, see, this is the problem. I I was I don't have anywhere to go now. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well. Okay, you know what? Okay, this isn't a very good one, but I'm just gonna go with it. So, as you might expect, a, a ship like the Quasar uh, Light Light Cruiser, whatever it was, uh, Sato ship, um, very big ship. It's actually really hard to run on just three people. Um, you know, Sato and the two pilots. You've got to mm-hmm. have people in the engine room. You've got to have people manning the shield and stuff like that. Um, the rest of the crew abandoned, but there were actually eight and a half Womp Rats that uh, bravely stood by as Sato took the ship into. Uh, the interdictor, you know, eight and a half Womp Rats died to save the rebellion. Poor That's all Womp I got. Rats. Sorry. Many, yeah. bo- many Womp they... Rats died. Exactly. To, to save the rebellion. Okay. Precisely. Whoops. I put that in the wrong spot. William, you're up. Well, um, you know, I, wow. I, you know, I think I'm gonna make this unanimous. Uh, I'm going to go oh, 8.5 wow. as well. Um, it was again really fun episode. Um, the the space battle itself totally delivered, one hundred percent fantastic. Uh, I loved the the confrontation. We had some the mystery of Bendu. We had Sabine's return. We had you know Mandalorians and uh, you know the discovery of of, of Fulcrum finally uh, from Thrawn. Thrawn's you know plots in in space. Uh, or he, you know, he's how he's calculating and kind of watching, uh, watching the the battle from afar, and and he he always knows what's going on. So I loved all that kind of stuff. Was it as big as the season two finale? No, and that's okay. It doesn't have to be. But I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, again, no big shockers, no big cliffhangers, uh, you know, no big deaths aside from Sato and Constantine. Um, but like in the scheme of things, they're they're fairly minor. Um, and wow, I mean, I, I, you gotta feel bad for the rebellion. They lost a massive, massive portion of their, of their ships. And mm-hmm. I kind of wonder, like, I know we're two two years out from Rogue One, year and a half, two years, but that's going to be tough to replace. Uh, so you gotta kind of feel bad for them. Also, how many, uh, how many ships, um, escaped? Uh, do you remember how many hammerheads escaped? Um, I think Steven said two. Yeah, I remember William said two earlier on. Oh, yeah, William, sorry. and uh, it was two. And uh, how many hammerheads do we see in Rogue One? Two or three. Two or three. So, I wonder if those are the same hammerheads. Just saying. Uh, so that, well, yeah, with that, I'm going to give it eight and a half Womp Rats out of ten. And um, you know the. Uh, so if you look really closely, I, I don't want to ruin this for you the next time you you watch the episode. But if you look really closely at Agent Callus and his uh, injured face hair. That's actually just a bunch of womp rats hanging onto each other, <sighs> swinging back and oh, forth as he, as, he, as he moves around. Hell it looks Lord. like hair. It's womp rats. Tiny, wow. tiny womp rats. Eight and a half of them. Very nice. That half okay. is how Cannon got his, Cal- or Callus got his injured face. So That's how, that's um, how Callus got his cowlick? Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Um, <laughs> so, wow. I mean, that's uh, that's season three. That's season three. You know, I think this is probably the earliest that uh, the show has has ended so far. In in fact, probably one of the, the earliest any 
um, you know, Star Wars TV show has wrapped up. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. It just feels like it's much earlier. I think you're right. Excuse me. Yes, I I agree with you. I I did uh, the exact same thing here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it. I mean, it's gonna be a long wait. We've got a long, mm-hmm. we have a long ride ahead. Yep. Uh, in the words of Sagrera, it's gonna be quite the wait. But yep, you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm very much looking forward to season four to the rebels news we'll get at star wars celebration mm-hmm. very soon in sometime in the next few weeks uh, hopefully the next episode but we might shift them some things around we're going to release our season three recap and, and we're going to kind of dive into the entire series in depth and then in uh in season season four we will uh or then then after that we'll do our our review of Thrawn and Celebration yep. Orlando's coming up. So Looking there's still lots of content from Ion Cannon, but your regular weekly episodes are kind of winding down. Yeah. Which is a little too bad. Yeah, um, we're gonna go on a bit of a break. Yeah. And no, you know, I, I stand corrected. Um you know, the season two ended on March thirtieth and season one ended on March second. So it's about the same time of year but just feels earlier for some reason i don't know why you know what it's probably it's probably because they didn't have as many breaks i would imagine as first and second season because i know there were a couple there were Uh a couple breaks this season but when the i don't think we had to wait like three weeks and rebel season one was much shorter to be to Mm -hmm. be fair that's true We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week, or not? Maybe not next week, but very soon. We might take a week off, and then we'll be back with our season three recap. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your reviews will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. You can visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2017.